This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 162. You can't sit with us. Of the In Between podcast, where you'll discover the tools to build a marriage and family that you love. My name is Daniel M. And I'm Christina M. You can sit with us, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yes. <laughs> but do you know where that quote is actually from, Daniel? Where? Well, I grew up in the era, and I am dating myself now, of the movie Mean Girls. Oh. Did you watch that? Yes. Okay. Well, later on, later on when I was older. Oh, yeah. okay. And they're so mean. Mm, oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. And I don't know about you, but I am no stranger to the devastating feelings of being left out. Well, that movie was based on on high school years, mm-hmm. the queen bee and bullying and meanness. Unfortunately, being left out or women being quote unquote mean girls don't automatically stop when we graduate high school. Mm. You know, just the other day I was on our city's Facebook group for moms and a woman asked others how to make friends at the park. Hmm. She had told the Facebook group that her child was playing with a few other kids and she noticed that the other children belonged to these two moms that were chatting over by the bench. So she waved at them and they ignored her. Hmm. Oh, but but maybe they didn't see her, right? That's what she was thinking. So she walked up to them. Unfortunately, they continued to ignore her as she just stood there awkwardly. Oh, oh I can feel it horrible. already. Yeah. Right? Ugh. The other moms ended up calling their kids to play somewhere else. And so they just walked away, leaving her and her child alone playing in the sand. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it happens in childhood. And unfortunately, oh. it can also happen in adulthood. Man. But you know what? It doesn't have to be this way, right? We truly believe that it is important to raise kids who are includers instead of excluders. And that's why on today's episode, we want to share with you some ideas of how we, as adults, can be includers ourselves to hopefully raise kids who are includers because more is caught than taught. Yeah, that's right. Well, I've been sharing a little bit about my experience of being left out Unfortunately, growing up, I discovered the quickest way to not feel left out is to be the nice person. No, (laughs) to be the person who excludes others. Mm. Isn't that sad? I distinctly remember being friends with a girl in grade five. And then in grade six, when we all switched to middle school, she became really popular. She hung out with these three other girls who ruled the school. Now, I'm not entirely sure what happened, but one day she was out. She was out of the popular group, and somehow I found myself in the popular group. The popular group took me under their wing and kicked this previous friend of mine out. So what did I do? I left the popular group and became friends with her. No. (laughs) Unfortunately, you're seeing a pattern here, right? I was thinking, sweet, and made sure this ex-popular girl never became popular again because I knew that I would be kicked out. Mm. I saw this poor girl lose all of her friends pretty much overnight. And oftentimes I saw her playing alone on the playground or sitting alone at lunch. 
I did absolutely nothing to welcome her back in or to make her feel like she's included. I wish I could have cared more about her and more about the way she feels than being popular. Man, I wish I could say that I didn't know what you were talking about, but I unfortunately had a similar experience too in high school. And you know what, in my experience working with teens at church, I've come to see firsthand that when someone hurts others, it's because they're hurting, mm-hmm. right? Hurt people hurt. I've counseled both the bully and the one being bullied. And I know from my own experience and also talking to other parents that when our children's lives eclipse our own, uh, we end up remembering our own experiences of hurt, rejection, and betrayal. And sometimes we project that onto the kids too, even though that's not really what's going on. Mm-hmm. And those old experiences, though healed, uh, come back up and and make us tender. And that's why one of the seven lies in my last book is you are who you raise because we end up projecting that onto our kids. I mean, that can be a good thing and a bad thing, right? In terms of if you're healed Mm -hmm. and you've learned that hey, I didn't like how I felt when I was excluding others, then we can help our kids be able to grow in that. Versus, oh, I didn't like when I was excluded. So raising our kids to be like, well, if they leave you out, don't worry about it. You just go and leave them out. Yeah. (laughs) So what came out of my experiences with Mean Girls, both being the receiver and the giver of meanness? Well, thankfully, I became an includer. You know, after these heartbreaking experiences, I became someone who sees the outsider and looks to include them. I became someone who is good at bringing people in and making them feel like they matter and are part of things. Mm. By understanding why I looked to exclude others when I was growing up, I was able to invite God into healing my past and my fears of being abandoned, of being alone. I was able to accept his forgiveness over my past. I didn't need to become an quote-unquote includer to wash over all of these shameful feelings I had of being mean before. No, instead, I was able to receive his grace that covers a multitude of sins and also be filled with his love for others. Yeah, so before we can become an includer or even raise children that are includers, we need to check our hearts and we need to make sure that we aren't acting out of fear, anxiety, past hurts, or traumas. So, Is there anyone you need to forgive from your past? Is there anyone that has excluded you, either knowingly or unknowingly, that you need to forgive? And do you need to accept and receive forgiveness upon yourself for the way that you treated others? Friends, forgiveness can be a tricky thing because oftentimes we think that it has to involve the other person that has hurt you, but that's not always true. Because of what Christ has done for us and forgiven us, we can and we are called to forgive others. After all, he forgave us. And while forgiveness may never have an ending because we don't automatically forget, right? you can't forgive and forget, Uh, we don't automatically forget what has happened to us, forgiveness always has a beginning. And the beginning is when we choose to forgive. Yeah, I love that distinction, Daniel. There are actually three aspects to forgiveness. One being redemption. You know, redemption is for everyone because it's a gift from God. Romans 
Romans 5, 8 declares, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ, y'all, he died for us. Jesus's death paid for the price of our sins. And Jesus's resurrection proves that God accepted Jesus's death as a payment for our sins. It says in Romans 8, 38 to 39, for I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if redemption is the first aspect to forgiveness, the second aspect is restoration. Restoration is what God does in and through us as we forgive others and learn to lay all of our burdens down at Christ's feet. Restoration doesn't require the other person to say, I'm sorry, and and proactively change their actions or attitudes, though that would be ideal. Restoration is Christ giving you a crown of beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and a garment of praise for a spirit of despair from Isaiah 61.3. Yeah, and the third aspect to forgiveness is reconciliation. Now, reconciliation, it takes both parties. It is about two sinful people committing to God and to one another that they are turning away from their hurtful actions and attitudes and choosing to love one another and treat one another the way that Christ has and will. And while redemption and restoration is for everyone, reconciliation may not be everyone's story. So you have the opportunity to forgive those who bullied you, but you may not get to the point of reconciliation which is out of your control. Yeah. So I love that distinction. Redemption, restoration, and then reconciliation. So for the rest of this episode, what we want to talk about is three different ways that you can become an includer. The first way is to become an includer at work or in your work. For me, there are so many different times where you can practice this at work. And this is regardless of the type of work that you do. Uh, as long as you're working with other people, which most people's work is, and, and maybe they're a coworker, maybe they're a boss, maybe they're a client, or maybe they're another organization that you're partnered with. But most of our work, we have to interact with other people in some way. And, you know, when you're getting paid for the work that you do, and, and, and especially if you're on a team, yeah, you know, obviously, you're going to include other people because that would look bad on you if you didn't. <laughs> you would not <laughs> right? be a team player. Yeah, exactly. And, and you're getting paid to do this. But I think the real opportunities to becoming an includer in your work is when you don't have to be an includer. Hmm. So maybe it's at lunch. Maybe you always eat lunch with some other people and there's a new person that has just started working and you remember how it was on that first day of school or that first day of work and you're like, do I bring a bag lunch? Does everyone go out for lunch? Is anyone going to ask me to go out for lunch? Mm -hmm. And you're just, you're just in that weird spot of what is it going to look like? To be proactive and to be like, hey, you want to join us? I mm -hmm. mean, that is a breath of fresh air and such an easy thing to do. And even though you do that, it doesn't mean that you have to be friends with them forever, <laughs> right? But to just extend that invitation or let's say you're going to get your mail at work or you're filling up your water bottle or getting a coffee instead of just doing that and going back to your desk or going back to your uh, position 
talk to the other people around you. Ask them, right? Don't just say hi, but ask them what's going on and think about different questions to to really include them and, and see what God might do in that. Yeah. This was really impactful for me as I started as the one and only non-Jewish person in a fully Jewish school. All the teachers, all the administration, even the sanitary engineer was Jewish. Yeah. And it's not even that you're not Jewish. You didn't even look Jewish. No. <laughs> I don't know how many Asian Jewish people there are. It'd be really well, interesting yeah, to that would be interesting. To, yeah. yeah. If you're Asian Jewish, please reach out to us. I'd yes. love to I'd love to hear about it. But I distinctly remember being in the lunchroom and I didn't know anything about being kosher. So I'm asking people who are sitting beside me like, oh, I'd like to learn more about the Jewish culture. And they thankfully and were so kind about teaching me and informing me about a few things about their about their religion, uh, for example, being kosher. And they're telling me that you shouldn't have uh, meat and cheese in a sandwich together because that's not kosher. As I look down and realize I have a ham and cheese sandwich in my <laughs> In my hand. <laughs> and you know what? They didn't kick me out. Yeah. They, so yeah. I'm so thankful that they included me and they made me feel welcome, even yeah. though I was apparently quite ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, we can definitely become includers at work or in our work. Uh, the other place that we can become includers is in our families. As parents, you know, Daniel and I make every effort to model compassion and empathy to our children. We try to create a safe space for our children to mindfully name and express whatever is happening within them. Uh, You would think this would come naturally, but no, this has taken a lot of work because we did not grow up like this. Mm. We did not share our feelings unless it was anger. For some reason, anger and happiness seemed like the only two acceptable emotions. But crying? Not a chance. (sighs) We have really had to work on ourselves with our counselor and also with our kids. Now, if sharing how you are doing doesn't come naturally to you, you are not alone. Something that has helped our family, and I'm sure if you ask our kids, they will roll their eyes to the back of their head, is that during dinner, we sit around the table and pass our feeling wheel around. Not every dinner. No. (laughs) Because... I think we would roll our eyes too, every <laughs> dinner true. and you know, don't get a false picture of this. But yeah, yes, occasionally yes. we do do this. Exactly. Yeah. And we don't bring it out to like meals, you know, if we're eating at a restaurant or something. <laughs> <laughs> Not a joke. <laughs> I got a bucket sized version <laughs> where you spin it. <laughs> oh, maybe we'll do a principle, honey. A bucket sized principle. <laughs> You remember making those and then yes! you put the pin in the uh, middle, whatever yeah, that thing is. Yeah, and then you have to like split apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, you know, awesome. I don't even think that would be acceptable on the plane anymore. They'd probably like confiscate your feeling yeah, wheel. That's true. <laughs> well, with this feeling wheel, each person has an opportunity to share what emotions they felt during the day. Sometimes it is only one, sometimes it's a couple. Other days, it feels like we are reading the entire wheel. Now, what has been meaningful to me about these moments is that we get to lean in and say, hey, tell me more. Tell me more about that feeling. I'd like to hear the events around what led you to feeling like this. And then we are able to comfort and encourage one another. We are able to sit shoulder to shoulder and show that, hey, we're here for one another. Yeah. The wait is over. 
Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babyland, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. Another way to become an includer in your family is to put your phone down and to be present with your children. Oh, this one's a hard one for me. (laughs) Well, I mean, so we all know because of COVID and other factors too, parents are a lot more physically present in their children's lives than in generations past. Right, especially because now working at home is more and more of an acceptable thing. But parents are not necessarily just because you might be physically present doesn't mean you're emotionally present. Mm-hmm. Engagement between parents and children tend to be a high tech and low quality sort of thing. And we're the first ones to admit that we are guilty of this too, switching our attention between them and our devices giving our kids what the tech expert Linda Stone calls continuous partial attention. (laughs) Continuous partial attention. Right. In a survey of 6,000 children, researchers found that 54% of kids felt their parents check their phone too often. 54%. Yeah. So more than 3,000 kids. Yeah. 36% of kids said their parents' worst habit was getting distracted by their phones in the midst of conversation. Yikes. And 32% said this made them feel unimportant. Oh, oh my heart it's like is dagger breaking. after dagger after dagger. Right. Yeah. Now, we don't share these results with you to make you or us feel bad. We know that many times our phones have been a distraction in the midst of our kids trying to talk to us. So this is more of a reminder of, hey, we can do something about this. Yeah. So what do we do? Well, we love what Andy Crouch, the author of The TechWise Family, suggests. And this is a fantastic book, and we'll link it to we'll link to it in our show notes. But he has this rhythm of life where he has where he takes one day and what one hour a day, one day a week, and one week a year where he is off his phone. And we've adopted this too as a family. This rhythm has helped us immensely in connecting with one another. Uh, off of our screen so one hour a day is during dinner and there are some times where something like there's a reason there's like kind of a, oh we you know we have to check this it's not just let's ask google but uh, google things or there's a text message coming in no so so in those moments we actually say okay get up leave the dinner table mm-hmm. this is not the kids just you and i because it's right. part of if it affects the conversation that's going on go check it and then come back mm-hmm. So that one hour a day that we try is during dinner, no screens at the dinner table. And then one day a week for us is our Friday Sabbath, where that day for us, uh, we are purposely doing everything and the things that we want to do, not have to do, the things that fill us instead of draining us. God has purposefully created rest for us to be able to work. And we're working not for the rest, but we're working from a place of rest in that day, in that way. And, and this day is really underlined for us the fact that, um, you know what, that phones and social media 
you know, we don't need them. <laughs> right. They're actually draining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we found that time away from this lighting up, this beeping, this the screen is so life-giving. Mm-hmm. Now, the one week a year was something we really had to work up to. Now, that sounds sad to say, right? But we actually <laughs> really had to find time and really carve out time where we didn't have to be on our phones. And mm-hmm. that's what we decided to do. We decided to do on our vacation. Yeah, yeah. Now, I know for a lot of us, our phones are our cameras. So it's not that we didn't do that. Right. <laughs> like when we went to Hawaii mm-hmm. for our vacation. Yeah, you know, we had our phones. Uh, we were off social media. We were off all things internet in that way. But we still had our phones to... Still used it for to, GPS. Yeah, for GPS. And, and you know, we're, so we're not, we're not going extreme here. But we got off all the things that could distract us. And we let this be a tool for photos and for directions and all that. And, and instead... For making memories Yeah, together. making memories. Mm-hmm. So we played board games, right? We learned new sports together. We explored. Every time we vacation, we focus on really putting down our phones and spending intentional time with one another. Modeling, right? And this is, this is really why we're doing it. We're doing it for us and mm-hmm. for our sanity and for our mental health. But more than that, we're trying to model to our kids to not have to be on their devices and to be includers instead. And this is so important, right? Especially for kids who may not be as adept at having conversations with others and, mm-hmm. and they're with a group of people as a preteen or as a teenager too and you don't really know anyone and things are awkward and and more and more teens and preteens are getting phones and they're all just going to their phone because that's the easy thing to do they're not engaging and interacting with one another we're trying to give our kids a, the best chance that they can have right. to learn how to have a conversation to include others to see and to notice when people are being left out and to to yeah to include them exactly now we've even had dinner time conversations around our table about what are some questions that you can ask someone yeah, that's right. that you don't know right because it, it can be awkward of uh, i don't know what to say to this person so we talk about seasons think about the season oh it's the summer you can ask someone hey how are you enjoying summer vacation? Have you gone anywhere? Yeah. If you're talking about Christmas, oh, what's on your Christmas wish list? That kind of stuff. Just giving our kids some questions, some tools to be able to pull out to engage in conversation, especially when you feel uncomfortable. Yeah, that's right. Well, the third way to grow as an includer is to become a family of includers. Y'all, After two years of being told that we shouldn't gather with others, we are slowly getting back to having others over and sharing meals with one another. We're all about community and creating space in our home and our lives and our hearts for adults and children around us to feel loved and included just as they are. But the fact of the matter is we're rusty. Right? And I'm tired. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. Hosting used to really give me a jolt of energy. And while it still does, I think the crash and burn is a little bit uh, stronger in feeling as well. Yeah. Or like, I, what do we do? How, yeah. What kind of meals do we prepare for people? How should our house look like? Yes, so on yeah, and so yeah. forth. And oh, I'm nervous about it not looking perfect. Whereas before I'd be like, whatever, there's crumbs on the floor. Like, you know, it, this is the way it is. Where's our dog? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> (laughs) And y'all, you know what? It's okay. 
It's okay to feel that way. There's nothing wrong with you. You don't have to go back to the way things were two and a half years ago. The world is different. You're different. You've changed. We've changed. And that's okay, right? We've come to realize that the way we used to host is not the way that we're going to host now. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe it'll get back to that, but it's not because we're saying we have to get back to that. Right. I remember before I never wanted to serve anything on a paper plate or a plastic cup because quote unquote. The environment? Yeah, or, well, environment, <laughs> yeah. but also like, hey, I have such cute dishes. Yeah, I want yeah, to show yeah. off my dishes. And now because we have so many kids in the house and if we're hosting, there's even more people. We don't actually have enough room in the dishwasher for all of our glass cups. Yeah. So and I we're serve not it. getting two dishwashers. No, we're no. not. We don't even have room for that. No, we don't. So instead of washing them by hand and taking that effort uh i've just bought a lot of plastic cups yeah, those little red great. solo cups, solo cups you yeah. write your name on it and in the end i rinse them out and put them in the recycling yeah. we're shabing shabang we're done yeah <laughs> and it's it you know saved it, us a lot of time it saves us a lot of time but it also helps us and gives us the opportunity to spend more time doing you know Spending time with the people that we are having over, right? right? I mean, that's the reason we're not trying to show the, show off our food or our dishes or or anything like that. We're trying to just we just want to spend time with them. We want to be includers in that way, so we don't have to worry or, or get overwhelmed with the duties of hosting. We can instead focus on our guests. Mm-hmm, exactly. You know, in our premarital counseling, we were asked to come up with a mission statement about what our future family would be like and to base it on a verse in the Bible. On a side note, if you haven't done this, regardless of how long you've been married, whether a day or, you know, a hundred thousand days, this might be something that you and your spouse could take some time to pray about and do as well. Mm-hmm. I love how we prayfully chose Romans 12, 9 to 21, because it beautifully shows what being an Cluter is like. Yeah. It's actually engraved on the inside of my ring, uh, along with our anniversary date <laughs> as a reminder that this is what we are building our marriage upon. So I wanted to read this to us as we come to the end of our episode. Romans 12, 9 to 21 from the Christian Standard Bible Version. Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. Do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, Vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. 
So practically speaking, we practice Romans 12 through the acronym BLESS. BLESS. Begin with prayer. Listen. Eat. Serve. And story. This is an acronym that we talk a lot about at our church at Beulah, about living our every day, starting our days with, with, with this prayer, beginning with prayer, beginning in the Bible and saying, Lord, here I am. I'm here. I'm yours. Direct me. Guide me this day. And then L, we take time then to listen. Listen with one ear to those around us and the other ear to the Holy Spirit. And then we look for opportunities to eat with others, right? That's that hospitality, being an includer at work or at home in your neighborhood with others around you, at your church, wherever you go, finding opportunities to eat. We all have to eat, right? So mm-hmm. finding not just eating by yourself, but eating with others. And as you do that, naturally opportunities will arise for you to practically serve the person around you. And maybe it's just cleaning up their dishes, right? Something as simple as that or or going over to their house and helping with something. And then as we do that, opportunities will then come for that last S to share your story and the story of God with others. So podcast family, as we come to an end, how can we be a blessing to others and also make time and space in our busy lives to be includers of others how can we practice this acronym bless in the next week perhaps it means that you will instead of waving hi at your neighbors and shutting the the garage door as you before you get out of the car so you don't actually have to say anything yeah maybe it's you know, parking the car in the driveway, getting out and saying hi to your neighbor, asking them how their summer has been, asking them more about their flowers if they're really into gardening, Mm -hmm. asking them about, you know, what what life looks like for you in September. It's just taking those next steps. Yeah, that's right. Well, podcast family, we hope and pray that you learn to not only yourself uh, be an includer, but you learn how to raise your kids to be includers instead of excluders. Because in our day and age, division is too common, Mm -hmm. both inside and outside of the church. And raising up individuals, raising up this next generation to be includers, I think that's going to help with us following Jesus's prayer for us to be one, to be unified, as he talks about in John 17. So uh, we pray that for you. We pray that for us. And man, we're so grateful that you've taken the time to listen into this episode. If you go to inbetween.org slash episode 162, not only will you find our show notes, but you'll also find some discussion questions. And these discussion questions we've designed to give you and your spouse the opportunity to talk about this and to talk about the content. And and so we do hope that if your spouse isn't listening in, that you uh, shoot them this link. You can text them the link or you can hit the share button on your favorite podcasting app and send it to them and be like, hey, can you listen to this on the way home from work or during your workout? Can you listen to this on a walk or, or whatnot? And, and we can have a discussion time, you know, mm-hmm. during our date night. We'd love for you to do that. And, you know, that's why we're doing this for you. Um, we would just love to build into your marriage and build into your family in that way. So podcast family, May the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May the Lord's face shine down upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. This episode was brought to you in part by the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, an outreach dedicated to bringing joy, strength, intimacy, and purpose to couples seeking growth. Be sure to visit enneagramandmarriage.com to find your chemistry together again, or for the very first time.